folks. XQ quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except for extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. Welcome to episode 187 of Channel Massive. This is Noah speaking. And also on this flight of awesomeness is Mark. That is me. And we're really excited after several months and some botched scheduling issues to have Ryan rejoin us. Hello. In case you can't remember through our rogues gallery of co-hosts who Ryan is, Ryan is who we, uh, Ryan's basically our pro gamer co-host buddy. And last time he was on, I believe in October, he talked about his experience doing professional competitive gaming. And at the time he had still not really gotten into League of Legends. Right. So in addition to some cool roundtable discussion on some of our favorite developers, Bioware, Blizzard, and Mojang, I guess. <laughs> Mojang. We're going to hear what Ryan thinks about his extensive League of Legends tour of duty that has <laughs> occurred since then, unexpectedly, and and quite. It's very it's very quite cool. We're going to recap each one of his 450 victories. Yes, <laughs> this could be a long this could be a long one. So you know. So we'll get into that during the what we're playing segment, and before that, we've got a little bit of. Listener interrogation to get through. If you have any comments or questions on this episode or the show in general, or whatever you wanna you wanna share your chocolate chip cookie recipes, send them into mail. M a i l at channelmassive dot com. We always love hearing from you. Thank you for listening to our show, to subscribing to us, and leaving us some comments and thoughts, feedback, reviews on iTunes. Remember, the number of stars tells us how passionate you are about your opinion. That's right. Because we are Love all about hate us. passion and positive reinforcement. That's correct. This episode of Channel Massive is sponsored by UGT Servers. When you order Ventrilo hosting from UGT, you get all of the powerful administration features hardcore gamers want and the ease of use that newbie gamers need. With 24-hour tech support, 13 locations worldwide, and a 15-day money-back guarantee, you'd be crazy not to check them out. Head to UGT-Servers.com for all of your Ventrilo hosting needs. Digging deep into our mailbag for this episode, we have a pretty simple question. I have been watching too much Doctor Who lately, as you can tell. Yes. <laughs> Some really strong Scottish accents. <laughs> and yeah. it's funky. If you're not used to listening to Scottish accents, oh, yeah. it just starts to really stick out to you. And I'm not talking about freaking Mike Myers Shrek. Or Would you look accent. at the heat on that boy? This is actually women and 
men that are genuinely Scottish talking with heavy Scottish accents. That's what I blame that for. Anyways, Estregal wrote in asking us, what are your League of Legends gamer tags? Update your damn Game With Us page. Angry face. Yeah, angry face. <laughs> well, Estregal, when I thought of that great idea of having a Game With Us page, I didn't know that I would be the only one ever maintaining it. And I thought it would be kind of a collective thing. And when it was created, that was back when other people were on the show even. So it was a long time ago. Yes. We apologize for how outdated it is. But what we can do for you right now is share Rumpelstiltskin style, our League of Legends gamer tags. Mark will always be the most interesting because it's pronounced differently than it's spelled. That's right. Mine is Bane, which I think is a very or is a my take on a Scottish name, which is Rain, but it's spelled B A H N E. So sorry about that strange ass spelling. Is this but Gaelic or something? You've never said that before, Mark. You just pulling that out of thin air. No, when I was a kid, I read this comic book. And um, there was a character in the New Mutants called Rain Sinclair, I think was her name. Uh-huh. And it was spelled like that. And so oh. I thought it was kind of a cool name, and I thought I'd change it to a B and use it. That was pretty simple of, of me, but that's what I did. So anyway, she was supposed to be Scottish, so I just assumed that was the origin. I've never I've never seen the name. In, uh, when I was trying to figure out what to name my kids, I never did actually see that name anywhere under... Um, you know, like the different, uh, you know, Scottish or Irish or whatever origin names. You have but anyway, a, a Scottish lineage in your heritage. I do. I do the Macintoshes <laughs> and the Doyles. So I have it from both sides of my family. So, and including the most famous Doyles of all. I do have that claim. Yeah. Yeah. But I won't go into it. It's a no, mystery. it's not. Let's not make you <laughs> too famous. <laughs> because your head might get a little big. Yeah, it's already so big it doesn't fit into my headset. <laughs> but that's because I'm 12 feet tall. But, you know, what, what are you going to do? This totally, tan- to tangent, like three times more over, reminds me of is um, Barnes & Noble is selling this really cool three-book edition that's illustrated of... John Carter of Mars. It's like the first three John Carter books. Oh my God. That'd and be so it's cool. It's really, have. really cool. And it's like 12 bucks. Oh, um, shit. And it's, it's a really nice hard bound illustrated thing. And I'm like, wow, this is kind of cool. I should read the first book before I see the movie that comes out. I had no idea all this time knowing that John Carter's like the original Star Wars sci-fi book, blah, 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 from the turn of the 1900s, the turn of that century. Edgar Rice Burroughs. Right? Yeah, it's written by the guy that wrote Conan. And I'm like, what? Well, no. Yeah. But, you know, I never really read any of Tarzan. He wrote Tarzan. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah Wait, wrote Tarzan. who wrote Conan? Um, I'm, I'm totally losing my, my geek cred here because yeah, I can't think of the name. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, Durr. Why can't Conan. I think of Can I okay. beat you with the speed of the internet? Robert E. Howard. Yeah, Robert E. Howard. God damn, that was horrible. And then the Tarzan author is, is Edgar Rice Burroughs. Edgar Rice Burroughs, who is also the author, I suppose, not surprisingly, of John Carter of Mars. Wow, who knew? Yep. So, it's true. so you've not read any of those books? 
No, but I'm going to try to read one of the John Carter ones before I go see the movie. Even though the movie does look kind of cheesy. But, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited. I read those when I was in uh, middle school, and um, I thought it was really exciting. Mark, so. you're so literate. You read <laughs> books, and you have such a huge vocabulary. It's really intimidating sometimes. I, but. I use words. Especially when that you were on that one time you were on that kick of using P words. Oh yeah. <laughs> I would think it was on the podcast too. So if you're a long time listener or if you happen to be torturing yourself by listening to every episode since episode one, you might hear that moment in Channel Massive History. Okay. So inspired by Mark, this is where I would tell you that, you know, in the whole weird names pronounced pronounced weird, pronounced weird, uh, that my gamer tag in League of Legends is Hermione. But no, it's not. No. It's a Kendor. It's a Kendor everywhere because I figure if you're going to stalk me, you might as well have an easy time doing it so that I can have a bigger fan club. So yeah. you spell my gamer tag name A K I N D O R. Mark sometimes likes to pronounce it as Akendor. And that was before I started teasing him about Bon. So. Yeah. <laughs> now I now I say it the way it was meant to be said, which is Akindor. Yeah. You can't say it. You can't say it like any other way than Akindor. That's right. It's Lord of the North. Much, uh, zeal and manliness. Yes, you have to hold your fist up in the air and shake it when you do it too. Yes. Just envision Jack Black with like some kind of Viking helmet on, and you're you're close to what needs to be kind of visualized for that. <laughs> now, Ryan, wow. you're not always here on the show with us, but you are quite the prolific and skillful League of Legends player, as well as your friends are, which I guess is no surprise because you're all like so professional and stuff. At least at playing games. Um, Meh. <laughs> would you like to share your name with the full Happily. set of Land? Yeah. Um, my gamer, not my gamer tag, I guess my whatever it is, is SP00KY, so Spooky those Zeros. Yeah, it's very difficult. I'm sorry. Pronounce it however you feel, but I'm just bland and boring. Yeah. Okay. Ot. Otki. How would Scott say it? You call it Spokai. <laughs> we love you, Scott. We really, we do. <laughs> I mean, Scout. 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 <laughs> Scout. <laughs> We really, really do love you, Scott. <laughs> we do. We just love your mispronunciations even more than we love you. Well, no, we love you more than that. So. Yeah. So thank wow. you very much, Ace Regal, for putting us in line. And provided that I remember to, I will try to update that whole Game With Us thing and delete people, add people with abandon. And then if you didn't catch the spelling, you can go and like go there and get it. If you have anything else that you would like to share, send it into mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmassive.com. Now we're going to talk about Ryan's League of Legends Tour of Duty, which is continuing as we speak. It is ongoing, an ongoing assignment of ism. I don't know if it's an assignment. We're playing. I call it that. <laughs> Let's move into the wonderful, exciting what we're playing section of our podcast. Noah, what have you been playing? 
Well, I thank you, Mark. I've been playing a nice variety of games across a variety of systems. First of all, over in my 3DS, I've been playing Resident Evil Revelations with the CirclePad Pro. And I've also played a little bit of Mario Kart 7. Wait a minute, what's the CirclePad Pro? I didn't say, what, did you say Gerbil Pad Pro? <laughs> it totally sounds like that. I heard Circle Pad Pro is what I heard. And yeah, that's right. Circle, like, like you heard circle that. Part, yeah, I misunderstood oh, okay. you thanks to the. <laughs> the gerbil pad. It really did. It was like, Gerbil Junior. I'm like, Gerbil Pad. I'm like, what You're the making f- your gerbil play games? How evil of you. Play your <laughs> own you games. Have a You're just enslaving no. your gerbil? I only have fish and a dog. That's all. No. Yeah, really the Circle Pad Pro, it's an add-on peripheral that gives the 3DS basically dual analog stick control, as well oh. as four shoulder buttons instead of the two that it comes with. Well, so it's really cool. cool for a game like Resident Evil Revelations, where, uh, yay, I can actually control the camera independently of my movement, and when I'm aiming my gun, or shotgun, or whatever, at the disgusting monstrosities on the cruise ship from hell in Resident Evil Revelations, it's a lot easier because I yeah. can independently move everything around, and I can move while I'm aiming. There's all sorts of great stuff. So, really good game. It's seen in 3D is so awesome, and the graphics horsepower in 3DS is really shown off well. And the game's spooky. It's scary. Really good sound design, and it does the whole episodic gaming feature mm. that Wake tried to do, but kind of failed. It doesn't. Right. So, yeah, I like it. And I also got to play League of Legends for a few hours with Tony and Curtis, who uh, yes. long have wanted to run into them again and get to play with them. I actually never thought I'd play with Curtis again. I, I did play with him for a couple hours a few weeks ago, and I thought he just got so angry and distraught and crushed oh, in this one game that I played with him that I'd never play with him again. But it was like, you know, water under the bridge. Well... He's like the last surviving player of the or League of Legends player of the of the Wolf Brother clan, right? Yeah. They're all alienated and distraught and you know, feeling betrayed. Which is too bad cuz what are they doing? They're just playing Old Republic, aren't they? I uh, I think I know Luke is. I don't know if I think Sean's playing Constant Work is what the game he plays, but yeah, that's um, that sounds like a start game. He's playing startup company, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. I I don't think I've I haven't seen him even online in a long time. I'm, I just seen that because Tony asked me. He's like, "So are you playing Old Republic just releasing you now?" And I'm like, uh, "No." <laughs> it's like the last thing I'd be playing, but I think because I th- I guessed that he'd assumed that because that's what Luke was doing, or maybe Luke and Sean, or I don't know. Blah blah blah. Enough about them. I also have been playing a lot of Dante's Inferno. Got near the end of that. I'm at this really stupid part of the game where if you've played through to the end, you know exactly what I'm talking about, which is a shame because a lot of it is really good, really well done, especially if you're into this whole crazy religious weird stuff. I mean, just I, I'm, I don't think I would have ever guessed a game like this would have come out. For some reason, just that it combines such graphic nudity and violence. Mm. Tell me more. His attention. Yeah. Well, for one thing, the second circle of hell is lust. 
And mm-hmm. you can see plenty of monstrous fornication vaginas and oh. prostitute demons that have things fly out of their crotch to attack you. Kind of like a scorpion oh, tail. nice. Pretty awesome. Wow. And then Sign they do me up. sexual moaning while oh. they do it. Whoa. That could get me in trouble. Then you have Cleopatra climbing a gigantic penis tower. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, I heard Cleopatra was pretty racy back in the day. Yeah, you can probably imagine why I'm surprised that this game exists and didn't cause more waves or anything, even with the electronic arts trying to make it to cause controversy, and it didn't. So, yeah, <laughs> great game, except for this last part in the eighth circle of hell. It's kind of stupid. Is it the boredom circle of hell? It is. It's or not the tedious. I think circle. it's treachery, which has treachery. ten concentric yeah. circles within itself, um, which the game developers decided to interpret as cheese ball score challenge arenas. Oh, Jesus. Kill 100 enemies in this amount of time. Nice. Stay in the air eight seconds mm-hmm. and do this for, do only, use only magic to kill enemies. It's just stupid crap. So, no, that's sucky. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I also downloaded the SSX demo, which is something I've been really excited about. I pre-ordered the game, even though I've had all this time this concern, like, you know, this is not going to be the old SSX games that I really liked. And I still feel that way after playing the demo, which kind of sucks. I'm going to give it a more solid playthrough, but I just think it's kind of boring. I miss the mm-hmm. ridiculous Disneyland-type design of SSX tracks in the first two SSX games, and this is just like pretty much all the other SSX, all the other snowboarding games that came out during in that five about five years ago where you had Amped, and there was some other one, some other big uh, snowboarding game, but they were all like indiscernible from one another, and it was just really crap. Mm. This doesn't seem to have really shifted from there. It's like, whoa, we used actual satellite and ge- geographical data to model real mountains from the Earth all around the world, and you're actually going down you know, uh, Everest, and you're going down mountains in New Zealand and the Rocky Mountains, and we've added some tweaks here and there to make them a little bit more interesting. But, you know, I don't give a crap what part of the damn globe I'm on. A mountain is a mountain. And if you just decide to throw Tibetan flags on this one and pipes on this one, it's really not that interesting. Me, That's just me. I've always really liked arcade race games, though, like uh, Wipeout and Burnout. And I like them as much for the racing and the arcade gameplay as for the environments that are around them. Did you, did you like Hydro Thunder? I did like Hydro Thunder. I didn't play it as yeah. much as you and Jason did. And I almost bought that downloadable game. That was a really sweet. That game, I bought that. That was fun. I liked it. I like it because it's so ridiculous and over the top. As long as the gameplay is good, too, you have a really good racing game, and you have this crazy presentation wrapped all around it, it just, it's the perfect experience for a racing game. For me. For for Noah, it is. And I want that out of SSX, and it's got decent gameplay, but, you know, the occasional avalanche and the flying raccoon suit doesn't do a lot for me. Yeah, that's cheesy. Ooh, flying raccoon suit. That sounds fun. Yeah, flap your wings. We're going to glide. Wee. Is this so Mario you're... now? Pardon? Is this supposed to be Mario? No, you know, did you do you remember that? Was it Mission Impossible 2 or 3 where they jumped off of a skyscraper and they had their little stupid... Actually, it was Tomb Raider. I think it was the second Tomb Raider movie. I think it was the first one where they jump off the building and they've got these like the bat wing 
pieces of cloth that stretch under their arms to their torso. A lot of them would glide to safety. Are you sure you're not talking about Batman? I'm not talking about Batman. <laughs> I'm talking about real-world applications of armpit cloth. Of gl- oh. <laughs> okay. That's what it is. That's what it looks like. It's like <laughs> between your arm and your torso. But it's yeah. solid, so it's not ready. It allows you to glide like a flying raccoon. Or squirrel. Sorry. You changed yeah, your game. The raccoon like, thing had me wondering. Yeah. Well, I said raccoon, yeah, by accident. My mistake. I meant flying squirrel. <laughs> like um, Bullwinkle and Rocky. <laughs> Is Rocky Bullwinkle? Hey, Rocky! Watch me pull a rabbit out of my head. Sorry. Uh, so, anything else to report? Or just had to. Uh, yep, up here, Mark. Oh, very nice, Bullwinkle. Uh, so, Ryan. What have uh, what have you been up to? I've been playing games like League of Legends, my Connect. That's about it. I'm, I'm pretty boring. Um, I've been playing a lot of League of Legends, so. You were complaining earlier about your Elo. I mean your emo. I mean your Elo rating. <laughs> um, yeah, of, uh, it's my emo rating. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Like <laughs> you're like, I've got to wear tight little black pants, or else my emo rating's gonna go below eight hundred. <laughs> Precisely. A yeah. white belt? Yeah. I have to have a white belt. Everyone... No, anyway. So tell us more about this ELO rating. The slippery scope of, or slope of trying to uh, keep an ELO rating above 1,200. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say other than it's probably the most difficult thing ever. You get people who literally don't understand how to play the game. You're surprised they know what the left click is. You're, you're <laughs> how surprised did you get they into this menu? <laughs> <laughs> It's they, they they don't oftentimes they they're not speaking English but they can speak English so you'll say well I don't speak Portuguese or I don't speak Spanish or whatever and they're like okay so they continue on and nobody else can communicate with this person but they're speaking in their own language so there's communication right. boundaries and so it's four, it's four English speaking people and one person who doesn't speak English who only com- chooses only to communicate in a foreign language right. And you, you run into the issue where you are playing the game. Well, before the game, you, you're, it's draft pick, practically, right? So you, oh, you, you pick an AP carry, the next person picks a support, then you have someone who's AP mid, and you have someone who's solo top, and the fifth person now decides to tell you that they've never jungled before. So it's like, <laughs> cool. So we're screwed. So I don't know. I, I was doing great. I, I was won a few games, and I was uh, hovering around thirteen hundred, and uh, I lost two games in a row, and it put me at eleven ninety nine. And since then, it's been downhill to the eight hundred and fifties. So I don't know. I, I don't play that much ranked anymore. We've made a pact not to play ranked unless we have five players for an entire team on at once. Right. I think that's the only way. I I don't think you can do the the pug. Uh Ranked, it's just too painful. Yeah, they're like they'll um, like ban like the most easy to own character that there is, or something like that. You know, you're like, why did you ban that person? You know, right. So not to mention it's just getting drastically worse with them releasing a new champion every two weeks. Right, so the champions are practically almost overpowered, so you never can ban all the good or the ones that are OP. And yeah, I don't know. And like me, I only have. Four champions left to unlock, so the other team pretty much has an extremely hard time to ban because all of the champions are usually in that list. So 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're like they're like banning Soraka, and you're like, what? Yeah, the Sona bans before her recent nerf were uh, the most interesting. It's like, okay, so you're really afraid of Sona. Got it. Right. <laughs> She's going to get you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. My girlfriend actually plays Sona a lot, and she uh, usually walks out of there with three or four kills. So we never understand how. Oh, um, yeah. She, Me and Mark do that all the time. Yeah, it's, it's the best way to play. I only Eight, play Sona and Dominion. That's all I play is Sona and Dominion, and I'd never. That's what I play when I play with Tony and Kurt, and I killed quite a few. And they're like, "Damn, Sona, what the?" And they would laugh and stuff. I'm like, I can't help it. Actually, just to just to totally crash your segment or your uh, your part of the segment, I was playing the other day, and the other team got taunted by our team because they. Oh no, the other team was taunting our team because I was playing Sona, and they're like, they're taunting our talent, and they're going. Your Sona is doing more damage to us than you are. And the talent guy got all upset. So, anyway. <laughs> You're really <Just> good <laughs> at escaping and making damage and wreaking havoc. Well, thanks, so, man. This is true. So, since the Sona nerf, how has your Dominion play changed? Well, the nerf? Yeah. Oh, for Sona? You mean, like, does it affect me much? Yeah. yeah. That's asking. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it n- not much at all. I I did. It's funny. I showed no. I did like an analysis of the nerf, an Excel like, analysis, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, eh, you know, by like level twelve, which is where I start to shine with her anyway. It's pretty much mitigated, and by level twenty, there's actually a slight advantage to it. Or level eighteen, there's a slight advantage to it. And um, I adjusted my my runes a little bit. I got the. Uh, I went to the Quintessence of Desolation to get more, um, uh, what is it, uh, uh, magic uh, penetration instead of just hit points. And okay. uh, it seems to have worked just fine. Uh, so, do, You might know the answer to this. I, I actually don't know. Does uh, Sona's movement speed buff, uh, her aura or whatever you want to call it, does that stack with the speed boost on Dominion? Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Have you played the new AI bots with Dominion? Oh uh, no, no, I haven't. A really I good idea. I can't believe I haven't even thought about that. You have yeah. to do it as a. It's a. It's versus. It's like a team versus AI, right? Yeah. You can't custom game where it's just you. Okay. Right. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't tried. tried. Kind of interesting, though. I, I tried the custom game with some of the new champions that they did the AI uh, for, and it was kind of cool. Like, one was Trundle. I was like, Trundle? You chose him? Of all the people. But, yeah. yeah. Trundle's pretty beast. He, he's, one I, he's one of the four I need to unlock, and he's definitely going to be the next. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's pretty cool, actually. It was just, like, so random. It's you, I would have thought they'd have gone to more of their core, you know, like, earlier champions that they released. but Well, if I'm not mistaken, all of the champions now are a potential candidate. So whenever I try a new champion, I usually go and play intermediate bots. And lately, oh, I, I've seen a good mixture of pretty much every champion available. Um, huh. The only complaint I have is the Lux AI is pretty bad, because she has all the skill shots. They right. target... They don't try to lead you, so... As long as you can tell when she's about to use her ability, you don't have to worry. Just know that you have to move, and you're fine. So. Oh, that's good. 
Yeah. Probably handy. If Nadali is equally programmed crappily, that's probably nice, too. Her spear is definitely not good, but her spear is also programmed in a way where the spear itself doesn't actually represent where you might get hit by the spear. You could be, like, ten feet away from the spear. For some reason, you lose all your health, so... Oh, no! Well, that's no good. Oh, uh, ten feet is probably a huge exaggeration. Enough to where I could tell that the spear should probably fly by me, but it hits me somehow, so... Oh, wow. Some inconsistencies with the model. Uh, the model. <laughs> I found also that I was playing Nautilus, and since he's so freaking huge, I've mm-hmm. actually had Italy Spears go through my side. Just fly right through. Nice. So, oh, wow. Without damage? Right. So, interesting That's stuff, weird. That's sure. But that works the same way with Cho when he's huge. Yeah. I haven't tried it, but I wouldn't be surprised. So, for some perspective, you hadn't played League of Legends even to level, I don't know, level two in terms of your account. Or I'm not sure, maybe you got to level three or four, I don't remember. I think uh, I was back at eight. When, what? I think I was at eight. Were you at eight? eight? Yeah. Okay, so you were at the very, very beginning, and then you ended up grinding your way up to level 30, and now you've been unlocking all of the champions one by one and learning all the intricacies uh, the best item builds and what, how the team should be uh, formed, which congratulations to you because I certainly don't play League of Legends for that. And so I really suck at that type of stuff, even with as many games as I've played. <laughs> I just play for the kills. That's all. <laughs> and, uh, and smiles. You so you're, smiles. yes, yes. So yeah. you're quite learned now in League of Legends. <laughs> and I'm curious, just what's your perspective of, uh, what do you think? What you think of the game now? How much time you put into it compared to what you might have thought about the game back in October or for years when you knew about it and you hadn't been playing it? Did you think that you would end up playing it as much as you do now? Are you glad that you got into it, or is it just like a, a love hate thing, or is it something that you do more because your friends are all playing it? What's what's your vibe? Um, it's definitely love hate. Uh, I never imagined that I'd be playing it nearly as much as I do now. Um, I never thought I'd have practically all the champions in the rooms. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why I'm hooked on it. And I, I going <laughs> along the lines of playing strategically and playing the game to find the best team composition and item builds. Um, the only reason I do that is because I like winning. And we usually get paired against, uh, when you, League of Legends matchmaking says that if you have four players, it tries to match you against another team who have a pre-made of four or a pre-made of three and a pre-made of two. So you usually get against teams that communicate really well, and you have to be you have to outsmart them all the time. Um, so I only play it for the reason that I like winning, and <laughs> no one else that I play with likes Dominion. Um, so it's not like I can just run in there and just run around and get kills. Yeah, actually have to push towers and go through and you know, think about how much gold uh, you, the other person's going to get if you collect too much of a bounty, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know if I necessarily wanted to go through and learn all of that. Uh, I think it's really cool. If I, so I got invited to the Dota 2 beta a while ago, and I played that a few times. And in comparison... I, I definitely prefer the casual style of League of Legends more than Dota 2. Um, Dota's just, there's way too much going on, there's way too much to think about. Um, League of Legends, I can just kind of hop on and play, and I don't have to really worry about it. But at the same time, it's, it's frustrating because I feel like they're constantly making changes in ways that 
I, you can't really account for as quickly as a player um, because new champions every two weeks throws you off all the time. I'm always trying to think of how you're going to counter him better. And if, like, when Nautilus came out, it's like, okay, he's super tanky, I'll just get Madrid's, but it doesn't really work on him that well um, because the shield just goes up and it, it just takes on a shield and his team usually just pushes you away before you actually get any damage done to him. So trying to think about how you're always going to counter, um, mm-hmm. it's, that's what's really painful about it. So uh, I figure that if the next new shiny game comes out, I'll probably be off of League of Legends, even though I've, and I'll admit to it because it's a terrible thing, I've spent over $700 on RP in the past few months. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad I haven't kept track of how much I've spent. <laughs> yeah, I, I found the C purchase our RP purchase history button on the um, purchase history page. That was a huge mistake. Don't click that button. Um, so I, I spent quite a bit of money on the game that I, I would rage quit out of all the time. So I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely a love-hate relationship. I think I, I can I can end my statement there. It's love-hate for sure. I think Riot's great. I'll say that. I think Riot is great. I think the game is, it needs some work. They need to stop introducing new champions and worry about balance issues and maybe make the loading screen not take 30 minutes. So, uh, Tell me about it. Ugh. Yeah. So, it's, it's cool watching the professionals play. I don't know if you guys watch a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I've been Once watching IPL and um, watching all the streams that League promotes and going to own TV and twitch.tv to watch the streams. So That's always fun. It's always cool. I used to stream a little bit myself, but I don't do it that often anymore. So, yeah, that's my legalist experience. <laughs> well said. Yeah. Meh. Well, any other games played in uh, the last uh, couple weeks, or has that pretty much been it? Um, I've been playing. I've been keeping up with the Diablo three beta, but. I'm not, I'm not saying there's I'm not gonna say there's a lot to report there other than Blizzard needs to stop making changes and release the damn game already. Mm, yeah, I think most people are kind of feeling like just get that thing released, please. It's painful when you you care so much about a game and you've been attached to it for so long, and they give you a beta, and then every other week they release a new patch, which is great. It's like cool, you get the new con. Sometimes you get to experience what they've changed, but then they also delete your freaking character. And it's like, cool, I have put all this effort into going and building up this character and collecting these items and trying to use the $50 grant they gave us to use the uh, real money auction house, that kind of stuff, and they just wipe it away and you have to start all over again. And the gameplay from when you start till about maybe an hour and a half in when you're near the Skeleton King, it's really slow and drawn out. You don't have... a all, all your good abilities yet, so it's painful mm. to do it over. So over and over and over. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. <clears throat> Definitely. Well, I guess I'll talk about what I've been playing, which has been um, Star Wars: The Old Republic and League of Legends mostly. So we've, we've talked enough about League of Legends, probably for everybody to be done with. Um, but I, I have been playing Star Wars: The Old Republic. It's it's interesting, um, one of my coworkers today let me know that um, he and his wife were officially done with Star Wars The Old Republic, and they cited mostly what I expected to hear, which was, you know, the end game. Um, you know, they just kind of got bored with the end game as it stands right now, and they're, so they're already looking kind of 
ahead for uh, Guild Wars 2 to come out, which we'll discuss a little bit later. Um, but um, I, I had, like, one of the coolest, like, um, cinematic experiences or, you know, kind of like the way the whole game played out playing um, through the Warrior story this last week. And I, I'm, I'm kind of, like, I'm conflicted as to whether or not to relate it or not. You know, it's a story that everybody that plays a Sith Warrior would run into, and I think most people are beyond me, but, it, you know, as far as leveling, the leveling curve, I'm at, like, level 36, I think, out of 50. But it was just so cool how they wrote the story. And it's, you know, that it's just what kind of you've come to think of with Bioware um, games, you know, that, that, that storyline that's so present and so, um, so good at kind of capturing your imagination and keeping you involved. Um, and that, that's what this was to me. It was just as good as anything I've encountered in any of their um, single player RPGs. And it's probably going to be one of my most um, memorable gaming moments, you know, from a non-competitive gaming um, kind of game place, you know, something that was kind of a story that was scripted. So that was, like, really um, cool. I mean, it was kind of like the high point of my experience playing the game just because it was so cool how they how they did it all. Um, so I don't know, should I talk about it or should I just leave it at that? You know, and, and Ryan, what do you think? I mean, it's, it's like... Wow, the, I'm curious to hear more, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> um, so ever since, so I mean, I just finished chapter one, and I think there's only two chapters, but I could be wrong. But um, you know, everything in the game has been leading up to my Sith warrior. Um, you know, um, he he's kind of been trying to gain favor with his um, his Darth Barris as his master, and this Darth Barris guy has this spy network, and um, the spy network was being threatened by this Jedi Padawan who seems to have this unique ability to know when people are telling the truth or not. And so she was a huge threat because she was potentially able to reveal all the spies that he had in his network or, you know, at least stumble across them and reveal them. So he's like, she must be eliminated. And and so he kind of um, gave my my character in this kind of discretion on how to do it. And so I had several missions that took me between um, Alderaan and Tatooine um, to kind of deal with her and to try and draw her out and eliminate her. And so what I did first as a totally evil Sith um, player and playing to try to be as evil as possible. And I've only got, I think I have like 1000 more points to go before I'm as evil as you can get in the game. Um, but what I did was I went and decided to go to, uh, Alderaan and kill her parents. So I hunted down her parents and killed them. And then I started making more trouble and, you know, threatening all the different houses on Alderaan. Eventually, the way they scripted it out, I get this communication from her and she's like, enough of this bullshit, you know, I'm going to take you on. Let's meet. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to end it for you. Basically, she's threatening to take me out. And, um, I thought that was kind of cool how they did it. And, and and so I'm like, all right, I'll do that. So I, I figure out where she is. I go to, to meet up with her to kill her. Her master, though, her Jedi master, has intercepted the message, and he shows up instead. And he's like, no, you're not going to get a hold of uh, of Jessa Wilson or whatever. I'm going to be, you know, I'm I'm here to take, take you on. So just to kind of abbreviate it all, we get into this battle. And what's so funny is my 
character who a Sith warrior is basically supposed to kind of be, especially a juggernaut, is supposed to basically be the Darth Vader class, right? My guy starts monologuing, right? It's just, it's like right out of the Incredibles. He starts to monologue, and he he starts in with the whole, only through hatred can you possibly defeat me, you know, use your rage, Luke, that kind of thing. And the Jedi, I keep like beating the Jedi down, and so finally it kind of starts to break his will, and he starts to turn to the dark side, right? And as he's doing it, every time I beat him down more, and every time I taunt him more, and tell him he needs to, you know, search your feelings and all that stuff... He starts to, his physical appearance starts to get worse and worse, just like kind of like the Emperor in that epic battle that we all know and, and remember. And um, and so by the end of it, he has like glowing red eyes and he's totally turned to to the dark side to try to defeat me. And I end up def- almost, I've got him crouched down and I'm about to deliver the killing blow when the Padawan runs in and's like, Look, takes one look at him is like, everything you told me was a lie, blah, 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 blah. She's all pissed off at him and everything. She she was already kind of, you know, not quite fully convinced that the Jedi path was the right one. And so she turns to me and, and eventually, so what happens is she's like, maybe you are the only one that's been truthful. I see it now. Everything that you've done and said has been, you know, you know of course I killed her parents and all this stuff, but it seems like it's like all kind of on the up and up. I did what I said I was going to do and I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, fronting. Right. And so she chooses to become my apprentice. And my first act is her master is to tell her to kill her old master. And she takes him out. And it was just so, it was way better scripted than my, my horrible rendition of it was, but it was just so funny and unexpected and like, just kind of cool, especially the whole, the whole monologuing thing just cracked me up. I mean, he was shaking his fist in the air and, you know, the whole, like, join me and we can rule the universe. You know, it was just, like, taking me back to all that stuff from classic Star Wars moments. So it was really cool and funny. And um, anyway, I, I got a big kick out of it. So that sounds now like I have a lot a, of deceit. <laughs> a lot of what? Deceit and lying. Oh, yeah, a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> So it's cool. So now I have a uh, I have a Jedi Knight that's slowly becoming more and more evil. That's my apprentice, and I got promoted to uh, to a Lord instantly after telling Darth Barriss that not only did I take care of the threat, but now she was my apprentice. So it's kind of cool, and I think she's a potential love interest to boot. So that's good too. That's my week in gaming. Wow. I have a whole new perspective on that game now. Something about story and narrative is really, you know, yeah, me too. I, I, I was telling people about it that also play the game, and they're like, my storyline didn't have anything like that in it. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm kind of digging on it, you know, so pretty cool. That is pretty awesome. Yeah, I liked it. It was surprising. Well, shall we uh, move on to some of our, uh, some of our uh, stories that we've Decided, or roundtable topics, I mean, that we've decided to uh, discuss? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to our wonderful and exciting roundtable discussion. And I think we've got two topics we want to uh, discuss tonight. The first one is about some what would you say, some trash talking mm-hmm. across between Minecraft and Fortress Craft? Now, yeah. I, 
and so here's kind of my my original take on it. I first um, I played I heard about and played Minecraft first because it was such a phenomenon, and we had we had covered the story where PayPal uh, was so freaked out by how much money Minecraft was getting that they put the account on hold because they suspected fraud. And that's kind of how I found out about Minecraft. And so, you know, after, after kind of going through that story for our podcast and telling people all about it and really slamming um, PayPal, (laughs) um, I looked into what Minecraft was and I I actually found it to be really fun. And so I actually was one of the early, um, you know, purchasers of it who got it at a really low price when it was in beta. And um, i I played it quite a bit, and I played it with my, at the time, I think my son was like three and a half, um, just to kind of show him, you know, what, how we could build stuff together, and, and, um, and kind of, and he, you know, kind of sat on my lap, and I kind of took him through it, and it, it was fun, because um, it, it really kind of reminded me of, like, of Legos, so it was kind of like a, a virtual version of Legos, and we were, he was like, build a tower for me, and I'd build him a tower, and we'd walk around in there, and then it'd get dark, and we'd hide from the zombies and stuff, so I have really fond memories of my first, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, kind of foray into Minecraft. Well, I noticed a little bit later than on, um, and by a little bit later, it's, it was probably a year or a few months later, on um, Xbox Live, something popped up called Fortress Craft, and I never downloaded it, but I saw this. I went through all the screenshots, and it looked to me like a, just a wholesale ripoff of Minecraft. So basically, you know, while the Minecraft team was busy um, at that point in time, just trying to develop the game, it looked like other people were working really hard to port it to different. Um, you know, to consoles and, you know, maybe even to portables, some, 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 you know, derivative version that wasn't really Minecraft. And so recently, I guess Notch had said some things via Twitter about Fortress Craft being kind of a ripoff. Um, and the Fortress Craft developer got really kind of bent about this. And there's a Kotaku article where the creator of Fortress Craft says, well, if if Fortress Craft is a rip-off, rip then so is Minecraft. And what he's doing is he's referencing a game called Infiniminer. Um, or if Scott was on the podcast, he'd call it Infiniminer. But um, <laughs> we love you, Scott. I'm just kidding. I just have to do it. Um, but anyway, um, so Infiniminer was this, was this game that came out um, previous to Minecraft that is kind of the same thing. And in fact, when you look at the screenshots, you're like, wow, that's like, that looks like an early alpha version of Minecraft. Um, it was a game that came out, I think, in 2009, and it it didn't um, stay active very long before it kind of... Uh, you know, it was it was multiplayer version, but it didn't it didn't really last long as far as being supported. It just kind of went onto the back burner, so to speak. And so um, Notch has said, who's the developer of uh, Minecraft, that he was, and this was in a later blog entry that kind of came to light after all this. He had said a long time ago that Infiniminer was his primary inspiration for Minecraft. So he never, you know, really said that. Um, Minecraft was this totally original idea. He just had different ideas for Minecraft, and and what he wanted to do with with it was, you know, um, make it not so much about 
um, creating crazy stuff, but also having kind of game elements to it and be something that he could add on to. And, um, you know, he does some really cool stuff, and Mojang does some really cool stuff. Like, I think we covered last week their their, uh, 60-hour streaming game development session where you could watch them take suggestions from from the... the, uh, the general public, and then they would start coding a game and try and have something complete by you know sixty hours, a sixty-hour marathon of coding or whatever, with yeah. with you know stuff going to charity and stuff. So you know it, it's an it's really an interesting kind of thing where you know I think the Fortress Craft guy is kind of right. I think the the Minecraft team is kind of frustrated just because what's happened is now that um, Minecraft is being ported to different things. I have purchased the um, iOS version for my um, iPhone, you know, they're, they're porting it to the iPhone, porting it to the Droid, and they're looking to port it to the Xbox Live. I don't know if they have any plans for the Sony, thing, uh, for distribution or not. What's the Sony network called? PSN. PSN. Oh, yeah. How can I forget PSN? The most hacked gaming network ever. But um, anyway, you know, I don't know if they have plans to port it to, for some kind of downloadable version for that too, but you know they're they're working to do that. Well, the Minecraft guys are really bummed because Fortresscraft kind of already owns that space for the Xbox Live, even though you know Minecraft is kind of their you know their product. So th- there's just been a whole lot of you know kind of bad mouthing going around and people accusing each other of ripoffs. And I don't know, do you guys have any opinions about it? Well, I'll say that I love Minecraft too. Uh, <laughs> I. I've also been playing since beta. Uh, however, I think that Minecraft is going to port to as many things as it possibly can. However, I, I have the iPad version, the iPhone version, and desktop version. Um, and I plan to get the Xbox Live version. The problem is that you can't play with each other. The the implementations across the platforms are entirely different. And right. ha- if I could actually get on one of the servers, if I get on my server that I use for my PC from Xbox Live or PlayStation Network or from my phone or from my iPad, that's going to be what sells and puts Minecraft over Fortress Craft uh, on Xbox Live, at the very least. Um, but if they don't do that, I don't know. I, I don't know what would happen. If you have tons of different implementations of the same game, it's kind of pointless, and it's just not going to be a good business model, I don't think. Yeah, wouldn't it be cool if you could... If you could persist all of the stuff you've created on your your PC-based server and actually work on it with your tablet or whatever, I mean, that would be awesome. Yeah. I, I want to be able to use my iPad to be able to play with people simultaneously while they're on their server. Uh, right. I, I, I don't usually play the single-player mode, the one where you just spin up your own world. Uh, I actually spun up a server, um, so that way I can play with my friends, because I think that's so much more fun. But, oh, yeah. Uh, you, you just can't do that cross-platform right now. Right. That's too bad. That's a real that's a real bummer, because I don't understand why it would be technologically impossible, really. But, yeah. Well, that's... yeah. The, the, the iPad and iPhone graphics engine is nowhere near as good as what you can get with Java on a PC, right? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it's very I'm... frustrating. Right. There's rumors in the articles I read about the Xbox Live version about it, you being able to connect to the um, servers that you spun up. Uh, so maybe it's just a technological limitation with how iPads and iPhones work. So who knows? Yeah. Noah, have you played it yet at all? Or? 
No, I actually have resisted the siren call of Minecraft. Do you have any, like, uh, do you have a, does, is it a siren call to you, or is it more like a manatee? <laughs> it's more like a manatee. Yeah. I, uh, Were you a big Lego guy as a kid, or? No. Okay, okay, that that might explain it. <laughs> yeah, if I'm going to get a Lego set, I want to get one that already has the uh, shape figured out, and I follow the instructions to put it together. Yeah, right. I, I get bored pretty quickly with random, uh, just throwing stuff together. And that's right. kind of like how I like my games. I mean, I like my games to have... Uh, I'm not an explorer type like Jason. Oh, is, right. uh I like to have objectives and goals and to conquer them <laughs> versus or, you know, sandbox. Or our friend Dan, who is like uh, Jason on crack. So, yeah. um, one thing I think is interesting is, you know, I'd always considered Minecraft to be kind of like virtual Legos for lack of a better metaphor, I guess. And I think it's funny because they, there's a, an announcement that, Lego is preparing some Minecraft-based sets for a summer release. And there's some... On joystick dot, joystick.com, they have some... They have, a, like, an 11-image um, gallery of it. And you can see these Minecraft sets. And I, I... I love Minecraft, but I can't imagine buying this. I don't know. What do you think, Ryan? Would you would you be compelled to buy this? or Yes. Yes, I would. You would. <laughs> would it be I, yeah. would it be cube art, cubicle art for you, or uh, would Most it actually definitely. be played with? <laughs> okay. It it would be cube art. It's not something I would plan on playing GI Joe style with, though. Right. Yeah. Well, you have a Lego calendar on your desk, essentially, right? It's one that I don't usually update either. It's one that kind of grows two or three months old, and then someone else does it for me. Yeah, that that's an example of a Lego project that I did. And I enjoyed it because there were constraints to the design. So I only had so many pieces. I had to update the calendar so it was accurate. And then I could modify around the edges of it. And I'm like, okay, this is my speed. I like that. So then you try to challenge yourself by buying some intense, extremely difficult puzzles from fab.com. <laughs> yeah, which, oh, you, you know, I, I made into very fixed, non-abstract concepts. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I live in an abstract world. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so it's uh, my stance on this whole hissy fit is shoot, look at the people that Zynga's ripped off. Look at all the people that ripped off PopCap with Bejeweled. I mean, if I go into the Android store or I'm sure in the iTunes app store, I'd find Amazon 50 billion store. versions of Bejeweled. Right. None, maybe only one of them made by PopCap or if it was published <laughs> by Electronic Arts. Yeah, that's and sad just, but true. This is what happens, and this isn't so much an exam, a, a game concept, a gameplay concept that has been patented or even could be patented. There's really good game concepts that get copied. And I think that's what happens. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. I think one of the quotes from the, the Fortress Craft side was, Hey man, it's like, you know, when Doom came out, you didn't say that every other FPS game ever was a ripoff of Doom, right? So, I kind of agree with that in that it's kind of a genre that's based on a well, on building blocks, right? 
And I think that applies to a lot of different, you know, game styles, but definitely, um, you know, it's very different with something like Bejeweled, where that is exactly the same in those clones. I mean, it's the exact same thing, just with a slightly different background and different, like, power-ups, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's such an obvious, you know, I don't know, it's just so badly done. I don't know, just... Anyway, I'm going to just kind of, I'm just going to, for this segment, I'll, I'll just kind of go out with a whimper and say, meh. Yeah. yeah. That's a good way to put it. Meh. Yeah. 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 So, one other good story, though, that I think is more prepared to speak about than I am. Oh, not necessarily. It's just this awful illustration of the worst of gamer the gamer community's immaturity. And it's almost really just a microcosm of the immaturity that plagues the internet in general, where people can get on the internet and they can feel they're mostly anonymous, that nobody's going to really take the time to track them down, especially on a forum or something like that. And they're going to act like total assholes, especially around something that they like. I mean, if there's an opportunity to be a fanboy about something, even worse. And that's what happened. <laughs> As Jason once joked, the internet never forgets. Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> this story sadly hinges around an interview that occurred five years ago with a senior writer at Bioware named Jennifer Hepler, not Helper, Hepler. And there was this really great interview with her. It's like, well, hey, you are working for Bioware as a writer. Bioware games are known for their writing, their stories. It's something they're really respected about. What a great opportunity to interview somebody who's behind the real this, this authorial powerhouse in the world of gaming. And kudos to Jennifer for being really frank and not really playing what maybe the PR line that the public relations department would have liked her to play. But she said that she's not really a big gamer. She works at Bioware because she likes writing stories and she doesn't feel that, or she feels that there's a lot of room to grow as far as writing is concerned, creative writing is concerned in the gaming world, because there's just a lot of stereotypes about it. There's a really common voice to it. You know, it's as, Jennifer stereotyped it herself. She says, you know, it's by old white guys or whatever. And uh, whether it's dealing with um, traditional goals or even more controversial items such as sexuality, which has frequently been a hot button issue in Bioware games because Bioware dares to actually have stories that revolve around controversial topics like that. Uh, Jennifer had a whole bunch of quotes on this that were great to just latch on to and encourage, you know, just little sound bites of them that can be taken out of context because she says she doesn't really like playing games. It's the thing that she likes least about working in the game industry is playing games. And, oh my God, she actually proposed just as a random idea that, hey, if gamers can skip through story segments and can skip uh, cinemas and just, hey, 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 this is lore, this is boring, I'm done, I'm done with this, skip, 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 I'm not going to read it, I'm not going to listen to it. She's like, why can't people who 
are there for the story, skip through the combat. You skip, skip through the actual gameplay of the game strictly for the story, which it's, it's, it's an interesting line of thought that I can kind of understand. I never would have thought about it. I suppose because there are games out there that are built just for story. There are adventure games for one thing. Those games are all about story. They're much more heavy. They're heavier on storytelling versus gameplay. And there's RPGs out there that are really long and they have massive stories. But the gameplay doesn't really take too much brain power. You can almost just set it on auto. Let it fight itself. Final Fantasy is an example of that. Some of the Final Fantasy games. And then she also talked about, related to the whole sexuality thing that she was really proud of the gay shepherd storyline that's going to be coming into play in Mass Effect 3 and really encouraging people to play as a gay shepherd and if they're not going to do that they're going to have to deal with somebody in their crew being gay and just dealing with these types of topics and using the story to explore that so she decided to make a Twitter account a couple weeks ago and some smart ass out there decided to take some screenshots of her interview snippets uh Photoshopper with the name Hamburger Helper instead of Jennifer Hepler and bold parts of the story that are easiest to take out of context and be angry and then labeled it cancer, infection, blight, vermin, disease, sewage, plague, waste. And that just kicked off all these people direct messaging Jennifer on Twitter saying that she is like, quote, the cancer of Bioware and insulting her for her looks and for being a woman and all this other stuff. And not really helping the situation is both she and one of the uh, community managers for Bioware replied with offensive tweets back with uh, the community relations manager saying, whatever, you're a fucking moron. And Jennifer saying to one guy, "Um, you're just jealous that I have a vagina and I work in the game industry and you can't get either of those. So (laughs) it was just like Firestorm and Bioware came to the defense of Jennifer in the Bioware forums and said, this is really inappropriate. It's, and we are not, we're not going to do anything to penalize Jennifer. She's going to be here. She's going to continue to be here. We defend what she says and we really appreciate her work and blah, blah, blah. But it's caused lots of editorial remarks from fan site press around the internet saying, This is why the gaming community sucks. This is why we get stereotyped on Fox News. This is why Spike's Video Game Awards show is so juvenile and obnoxious and just reinforces that is because these gamers who think that they are ultra entitled and super anonymous can feel that they have complete emotional and uh, directorial ownership of the games that they play because they pay for them. And if there's anything that they like, they jump en masse onto it and try to rip it to shreds. Now, I'm curious with my co-hosts what you what your reaction is to this scenario, this five-year-old interview. Do you think that it merited such a strong reaction, even constructively? Or mm, no. do you feel that this... Uh, what do you feel that we... How do you feel that we can come out of this? Is there any positive outcome from this? Do you think that this will encourage other people to act differently or cause people to take pause next time they decide to jump on the hate bandwagon for something? No. I I think there's 
I think people are born to be fuckheads. And uh, and I, I really think that n- nobody's ever going to... Anybody that would do this... Like the the, the uh, Photoshop, the horribly Photoshopped screen is the first thing I saw when, when you initially listed this story. And mm-hmm. so I was trying to make sense of it. I'm like, okay, we've got like this hamburger helper character here. And we've got this cancer infection, blight, vermin, disease crap. We've got the whole like made-up thing about, I don't know how... There should be a thousand, everybody should have like multiple shepherds and of various sexual orientation and all this stuff. And then the, the misquotes <laughs> and I, I, I just read it and I thought, my God, you know, what, what is this? And then when I started to read the actual story, I went, I kept going back to that Photoshop thing and just going, I, I was, I was actually kind of speechless. I was like, it's just such a prime example of trolling and just you know, internet, um, internet hatred kind of put in under a spotlight. I just don't, I don't see, I don't see any redemption for anyone who would do this or anyone who would subscribe to this point of view where she actually answers questions. Honestly, you can't, you can't expect everybody working on something to be like totally into, you know, whatever the subject is like, if I really was gonna, if I was gonna fly an airplane, I, I, I guess I don't care that the, the, the person that brings the, uh, the, the beverage cart up, you know, is, is like their whole life is gonna revolve around flying, right? You know, like that's their whole thing. They, they want to work their way up and become a pilot or something like that. I just don't expect that. You know, she works at a game company. She's all about creative writing, and she's a really good, by, by all accounts, a really good creative writer. She comes up with great stories and has in the past, and I I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just, it's, it's just, it's so angering to see people who would take that one thing, see it as a sign of weakness, go after the fact that she's female, you know, and just like lay waste to her on in an from an anonymous chicken shit point of view. Um, I don't know. As you can tell, I'm just really I just don't like the whole <laughs> bullying aspect of it. It's it's got it's got you know, it's like cyberbullying, it's it's trolling and it's just ridiculous. And you just want to take these people, you know, outside and and, and you know, berate them or something and, you know, say, well, what do you do that's so great in your life? You know, probably nothing is nearly as cool as what she's doing. <laughs> yeah. There's another funny moment where I think I, I paraphrased this earlier, but one user, one of the Twitter people called Hepler, the cancer that's killing Bioware. That's what caused, actually it was the studio general manager, not the community manager, uh, Aaron Flynn, called that person a fucking moron. And then that person turned around and was like, oh my God, BioWare's treating customers disrespectfully. And <laughs> they've really hurt my feelings about this. And, da, 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 da. and it's just this bullshit double standard yeah. that yeah. like the game developers and publishers and the people that work there are slaves to the gamers. Because the gamers are like, we put you here, we buy your games, you're going to respect my every whim and how dare you turn on me and let me just rake you over the coals because you totally suck. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think I think that that nails it right there. The whole oh my god, they're treating me in bad. Well, hey, this isn't customer service here. This is you putting your opinion out on a public forum and us putting our our counter opinion back, which is you're obviously a fucking moron and we can't believe you even know how to use a computer to get this far. Who helped you do this? Was it your grandma? Who helped you get this far? To where you could actually write down the words that you know so clearly indicate that you're a total idiot. Uh, I think I kudos to Bioware and kudos for the you know the uh, statement of support and you know yeah they made a donation to bullying to stopping bullying in Canada. I'm not sure if that's where Jennifer is from or if this is the Bioware Vancouver office or whatnot, but they did that in response to this as well. Uh, Ryan, what do you think about her proposal of being able to button through combat? in order to just see the game, uh, to see the story? Uh, I think two things. Um, first off, one, this is the, the terrible things that happen on Reddit, and that's why it's so well out of proportion. And two, I don't think she's working at the right company. I think she needs to be working for Epic or for uh, Blizzard, people who care truly about the storyline and put a lot of effort into it. And I, I guess I'm not too familiar with Bioware. I know that a few of their games have really intricate storylines. Um, but if I look at Blizzard, I can go and pick up a few books of just lore that has nothing to do with the game, which is essentially extended cinematics that are in book form. It sounds like something, something that she would actually be really good at doing. Um, I don't know if Bioware is necessarily the place to do that. And it kind of falls in the line of she's the 1%, uh, the 1% who prefer the actual story and not playing the game. I mean, there's a lot of people, especially me, who enjoy both aspects a ton. Um, I don't think it's necessarily important to be able to go through and look at all the cinematics. I know that if you... if it, I think you should be able to put in a cheat code or something and unlock all the cinematics and maybe you just do it that way. Uh, you unlock cinematics if you play StarCraft 2 and then you can go back through and play all the cinematics all the way through. But if you were able to skip through all the actual playtime... How long would that game be? How long would the story be? It'd just minutes? be a movie, less than yeah, a movie. <laughs> is this a bedtime story? <laughs> I mean, that, that's my concern. Um, so I'm going to end it and say that I think she's working for the wrong company, I think. Or maybe Bauer needs to have some lore if they don't have uh, lore books that she can write. And I think that would make her happy because she gets to write the stories. She still gets to be in the gaming industry, but she doesn't have to worry about the actual video game portion of it. Per, perhaps 38 Studios, she could work hand-in-hand hand with Ari Salvatore and <laughs> take uh, the urge into new levels, the drow. Uh, I don't know. So going even further out off of this topic, or, or an even further out tangent, what do you think, if anything, can be done about situations like this? Do you think that Blizzard's real ID thing would be something that would mitigate this more? Do you think this is just a necessary evil that we have to live with in our society that can never really be taken care of? I think it's a necessary evil that can never really be taken care of. I mean, there's always a way to hide behind, uh, you know, even real ID doesn't really defeat you if you're willing to just spend yeah, the money. It's free speech, essentially, as far as the U.S. Yeah. is concerned. You could, do it with, you could do it with your name if you wanted to. Yeah, I, you know, I... Yeah, I just think there's always going to be douchebags out there. And, you know, at least this is a forum that's a little better for them to um, 
demonstrate their lack of character than, you know, them actually bullying someone in person or whatever, you know? So it's it's virtual. Uh, unfortunately, it's just the way the whole thing seemed to, you know, gather critical mass and, and suck in more and more people that were douchebags, you know, thinking they're being witty by all their character attacks and stuff. You know, that's the saddest part is the, let's get on this bandwagon of hatred and just, you know, see how far we can get. That, that part sucks. And, you know, I, I agree. I'm not, I'm definitely, <laughs> I would definitely say she's a, a one percenter or a point oh five percenter for actually wanting to have the ability to skip combat. I mean, in Bioware games, especially, I really enjoy the combat. I couldn't imagine fast forwarding through it. Um, so, you know, that's a, it's a wacky point of view that she just happened to mention in passing a couple of times. And most of what she wrote was about the writing and about the story, which I think, you know, should be important to an RPG. But yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any, there's no solution for stupidity. <laughs> what do you think, Ryan? Um, it's the community that we kind of have to live with. I wish that, I don't know, I, I love Reddit for what it is, but I also think that Reddit's really not policed, and it's not going to be. It's really, hey, here's a bunch of shit. You make of it what you want. And uh, if you look at if you look at how the Bioware community itself responded to the incident, and if you look at how Reddit responded to the incident, Reddit's just a bunch of trolls, and I think that the trolling just kind of got out of hand. <laughs> I don't know. I I hate the story. I think it's I, I think it's stupid from the sense that it should have never have happened. Um, she's entitled to her opinion, and there's nothing we're ever going to be able to do to prevent people from being jackasses about it. And I don't know. It just upsets me that anything like this would ever even happen. But um, I know that it does. I had a similar incident. I never post about AT and T online. I swear. But yeah, that's how I feel. There you go. Well, listeners, if you have any thoughts on either of our roundtable topics, whether it is the duplicating of game concepts of our favorite titles or this whole Jennifer Hepler Bioware controversy send your thoughts into mail M-A-I-L. at channelmaster.com this is actually the end of the episode for us we thought about talking about Blizzard's free to play game but as Ryan said off the air we feel the topic is pretty self explanatory and if we want to get into it later we will in another episode Thank yeah. you very much, Ryan, for joining us. Thanks for having us. It was great to have you on here. And listeners, if you are into the League of Legends scene, definitely try to catch any or all of us over on there. I'm Akendor, and then you have Akendor, who is Bane, spelled with an H, not an I, and an E. <laughs> the H is silent. And then you've got uh, Elite Spooky. SP00KY with Ryan. Speak spooky. Yes. <laughs> and we hope you like the show. We'll be back in a week. We'll be doing two.
Warcraft for ten years. If I can't play Diablo 3 soon, I might just kill myself.